Chapter 2 of The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope. Mr. Wags. Down, Hesper! Down, you bad dog! shrieked Irene. What do you mean coming out this way without leave? Down, I say! The other outdoor girls from vantage points of comparative safety watched the scene with amazement. It's Irene's collie Hesper, said Molly. And if he's mad, so am I, added Irene as she fondled the great golden head of her pet. Come on out, girls. Hesper's as safe as a maiden aunt. They giggled and came forth. Hesper greeted them all with a friendly, though dignified, wave of his brush. What I want to know is how he got loose, said Stella. That's bothering me, too. Irene admitted. We never let him out unless he's with one of the family. Aren't you the bad dog? She turned on him with a ferocious scowl. The collie whimpered and gazed so wistfully at his mistress that Irene relented and tapped him on the nose. Don't look like that, she entreated. It makes me sad. I have an idea. It came to me just like that. Stella, who had been making a rough sketch of Hesper, looked up, her pencil poised. The girls stared. About a present for Betty, she explained. We were talking of that, you know, when Hesper so rudely interrupted us. If you have an idea, drawled Grace, let's have it. Why not get her a dog as a present from us all? The girls were silent for a moment, thinking this over. I don't see why we couldn't, said Molly thoughtfully. Just the other day, Betty said something about wanting a dog. A good watchdog. She said once she wanted one. One that will guard all her wedding presents, giggled Irene. I'm afraid the one I have in mind wouldn't be much good as a watchdog, said Stella. But he's awfully cute. Goodness, listen to the child. Grace was so interested that she forgot for the moment the candy box, so temptingly open beside her. I believe she has one picked out already. Stella looked slightly embarrassed as the attention of all was focused upon her. Well, I did sort of have one in mind, she admitted. His name is Mr. Wags, and if I didn't have a big fat tabby cat at home, I'd buy him for myself. Oh, now I know what you mean. Irene was eagerly interested. You were thinking of that auction sale out near us, where even the family animals are to be auctioned off. Stella agreed, and she and Irene explained about the auction at the big house on the hill not far from where the two girls lived. The owners of the big house, it seemed, had been called across the continent on a business trip of indefinite duration and were anxious to dispose of their possessions in Deepdale as soon as possible. As Irene said, even the family animals were to be auctioned off. Since there was quite a menagerie, including a canary bird, a black cat, goldfish, and the aforementioned Mr. Wags. This fact had aroused considerable interest among the neighbors of the big house on the hill. What kind of dog is this Mr. Wags? inquired Molly. His name doesn't tell much. Except that he has a good disposition, chuckled Irene. He's a cocker spaniel and he's a beauty, replied Stella. I had to go up there on an errand one day and he sat up on his hind legs for me. I never saw anything so cute. It will be a wonder if Mr. Wags ever gets any further than Stella's front door, chuckled Grace. Irene gave an exclamation and got to her feet. 
What seems to be the matter now? queried Molly. I just happened to think that auction starts today. Stella looked positively distressed as she pocketed pad and pencil and jumped up. Mr. Wags will be sure to go the first thing, she cried. Oh, let's hurry. We shall have to have some money, said Molly practically. Wait a moment while I go in and gather up the sad remains of this week's allowance. A few moments later, armed with her purse, Molly rejoined the girls at the front of the house. Why didn't I think that the auction started today? complained Stella as she hurried them on. If Mr. Wags is gone, I'll never forgive myself. Stops were made at the homes of the other girls along the way, each one procuring what funds she could for the purchase of Mr. Wags. Hesper accompanied them, trotting along with dignity at Irene's side. When they reached the latter's home, the collie was shut indoors by his mistress, and strict orders given the new cook that he was not under any circumstances to be let out before the return of his mistress. Then, the last stop having been made, they reached the foot of the hill, and above them the big white house loomed majestically. Oh, do let's hurry, came from Stella. I have a horrible feeling that Mr. Wags has gone forever. A crowd had gathered at the scene of the auction, and among these people the outdoor girls recognized and greeted many acquaintances. This was not strange, since the outdoor girls and their friends were perhaps the best-known group of young people in Deepdale. The club had originally consisted of four girls, Betty Nelson, Molly Billette, Grace Ford, and Amy Blackford. Betty Nelson, bright, full of vigor and sense, had been the natural leader of the girls. Because of her resourcefulness in cases of emergency, her chums had affectionately dubbed her their little captain. Betty, when a mere girl, had been friendly with Alan Washburn, a rising young lawyer of Deepdale. The friendship ripened into something stronger until, as told in the story directly preceding this, the two young people had married, thus to a large extent robbing the outdoor girls of their beloved little captain. Molly Billette, dark-haired, dark-eyed, with a touch of Latin in her makeup, inherited from her charming French mother, had always been second in command to Betty. Now, as the others had decreed, she was about to take over the leadership of the outdoor girls, relinquished by their little captain. Grace Ford, tall, graceful, and very lovely, and Amy Blackford, a quiet, sweet-tempered girl, completed the original quartet of the outdoor girls. It was after Betty's marriage that their ranks had been augmented by the acquisition of the two new members, Irene Moore and Stella Sibley whom the outdoor girls had met on their trip to Cape Cod. It is hardly possible to introduce the outdoor girls without mentioning the boys who had shared so many of their adventures. Alan Washburn had, of course, with Betty, deserted the happy family, as the girls were wont to call it, but there were three of the boys left. Will Ford, brother of Grace and for a long time admirer of quiet Amy Blackford, Frank Haley and Roy Anderson, two thoroughly fine young fellows and friends of Will Ford's. The boys had formed the habit of accompanying the girls on their various adventures, a habit of which the girls quite approved. The first adventures of the girls began with that never-to-be-forgotten tramping trip during which they hiked happily across the country, encountering many interesting incidents on the way. The details of this trip are related in the first volume of the series entitled The Outdoor Girls of Deepdale. Since then, many interesting and sometimes thrilling adventures had come to them. During the World War, they served at a hostess house, 
thus doing their bit for their country in her time of need. Then there was that delightful summer in the saddle when as cowgirls they had encountered a series of thrilling adventures and later still a happy vacation spent camping in their beloved woods. In the story directly preceding this, the outdoor girls motored to Cape Cod. It was on this trip that the older members first made the acquaintance of Irene and Stella. During their stay at the Cape, they also fell in with a girl named Sally Ann Bevins. With Alan's help, the girls had been able to aid materially the unfortunate Sally Ann, and by doing so had gained a lifelong friend. As the climax to this summer's fun and adventure had come the marriage of Betty to Alan, a pretty ceremony at which the three remaining outdoor girls had acted as bridesmaids. Stella and Irene had been present also, and had later definitely joined the outdoor girls, thus swelling their diminished ranks to five. This resume brings us to the time of the present story, with the new leader selected for the outdoor girls, and the outdoor girls themselves on the way to secure a suitable present for their former little captain, now the bride of Alan Washburn, attorney at law. As the girls ascended the porch steps of the big white house on the hill, they found that the large old-fashioned hall was full of people. They paused for a moment, looking on the scene, then pushed forward again as they heard the auctioneer's voice. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we come to one of the family's most precious possessions, and one which they found extremely hard to relinquish. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the honor to present to you Mr. Wags. End of chapter two. Read by Joni Vatainen, Elk River, Minnesota, July twenty seventh, two thousand twenty two.